This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time to take a ride on the Steelers afternoon drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith. Welcome into another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That is Alan Saunders. Alan, how are we feeling on this very fine Tomlin Tuesday? Uh, jet lagged. <laughs> I can. Ima- I was gonna actually. I was gonna ask that. Yeah. So yesterday you were on a beach during the show. Now we see the very uh, infamous board of credentials behind you. So very different behind you. But I was gonna ask about the jet lag too. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna try to take a nap after this. I the, the key is to not take a nap, but I don't know if I'm gonna make it. But we'll see. Mm. Yeah, we'll that three three hour time difference too. I mean that's well the three hour time difference in the red eye flight. The red I can deal with the time difference. It's the it's the okay. red eye flight home that, that's the real killer. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's get into Tomlin Tuesday then. Alan, I don't know. We could take this a ton of different directions to start here. Tomlin touched on a lot of different things. So I guess I will just leave it to you to kind of give us a rundown in terms of what Tomlin talked about today. Um, you know, mostly healthy. Uh, no update on Cam Hayward. 
Yeah. But other than that, you know, it sounds like Cole Holcomb might be limited early in the week, but it should play. Ant McFarland said he's going to have an opportunity to play. Sure seems like he's close. They still have that open roster spot. Um, he talked a lot about the penalties, especially, mm-hmm. specifically about the personal foul penalties and some other things. And he said, you know, they have to do a better job of like reading the vibe of the officials and understanding like, yeah, Deontay Johnson and Akella Witherspoon are buddies. And so like Deontay Johnson, like Akella Witherspoon did not feel taunted by Deontay Johnson. Right. right? Mm -hmm. But like the officials were being super sensitive and you've got to know the situation and how things are being called and not take that penalty. And I thought that was a really interesting point that I don't think we had made is that a taunt is not a t- all these things are that we're talking about. I mean, the, the the blocking back towards your end zone thing is pretty black and white, but taunting yeah. is always subjective. You've got to mm-hmm. have like an idea of the way the game is being officiated, the the context of what's happening around it, you know. And and I think that is a, a good point by Mike Tomlin about why that happened for the Steelers. when he brought that up and I read that today on X, I had never thought about that. Like even, and I don't know if if this is what he meant to like in game, understanding the way it's being called, but even like in preparation for the game, looking at the officials and how they've called games in the past and going back, like, is that something that they do too? Is like scouting the officials. Yes. In fact, there have been weeks where you'll be at practice and I will hear Mike Tomlin say something like, this crew has the most flags in the league, or this crew has mm-hmm. the the second most flags in the league. Like we, yo, like so there'll be a play in, uh, you know, let's say it's seven shots in practice, right? You know, the the, def- the defensive back goes up and makes a play, and Tom will say no, pi, you know, win win for the offense, and then the defensive mm-hmm. back come over to him. He's like, they're gonna call it this week. Look at what this crew does. Like that is something that they absolutely make part of their preparation, and so. That probably is a little telling about why specifically maybe that Mike Tomlin was so upset about that post game, especially if that is something they had talked about beforehand. Yeah. You know, that that probably makes it a little bit more frustrating. George Pickens also said after the game, he's like, We know that on the road you're gonna get more of those penalties. Like it's just the way it's going to go down. Like that, that the, that the guy on the road is going to like, you're going to lose the tie a lot of times on, on those kind of penalties. And, you, and, and if you're not, if you're on the road, you can't be putting yourself in a position to let them call that penalty on you. Uh, I have recently coined a term ballage ball knowledge. And uh, I'm ballage. about to show my lack of ballage here because I, I want to ask you about ballage. Well, I want to ask you about one of these penalties, and it might reveal at least one aspect where there's not a lot of ballage. There might be, so, you know, a crack in the in the chink in the armor here, um, because on the Deontay Johnson taunting towards the end of the game, shouldn't that been, in, in my opinion, the way that I've I've thought about this is I thought the pass interference would make it a first down with the personal foul, the taunting on Deontay Johnson being after the play, so it'd still be first down, but they would have the yardage difference so if it had been a dead ball foul it would have been first down and you lose the 15 yards but the Mm -hmm. officials did not call it a dead ball foul and they have a lot of discretion about whether a personal foul is a continuation of something that happened during the play or if it was a new act after the play and that's Mm -hmm. the difference between a live ball foul and a dead ball foul it doesn't matter if the 
flag is actually thrown after the whistle is blown. It's all about like whether this is a continue action, you know. So let's say like I'm blocking you down the field, right? I'm blocking you. I'm blocking you. The play's dead. The whistle blows. I'm still blocking you, and now I'm gonna pancake you after the play, right? Okay, that's a live ball penalty, even though the personal foul literally happens because I'm blocking you after the play. Like if, if the play was still going on, I could block you legally all day long, no problem. But even though that is a penalty for blocking after the play. That's a live ball foul because it's a continuation of an act that began you know, as part of the play. A dead ball foul would be, uh, you know, you know, you tackle my quarterback as he's going out of bounds, and then after you tackle him, I come over and shove you, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so my act happens after the play had ended, and th- then that becomes a dead ball foul. In this instance – because you're calling a personal foul on Deontay Johnson and because the penalties offsetting would have greatly benefited the Steelers, I'm sure that the officials were like, well, we're, you know, I'm not calling this personal foul to help you. Like I'm calling this, you know, yeah, they want to give the the team, the, the other team, the, the team that is the, you know, the gaining the advantage here from this, penalty the the greatest possible advantage so i'm sure it's it's there's no black and white it's it's a judgment decision about whether uh that that should be a live ball or a dead ball foul obviously the it being called a live ball was very advantageous to the rams and so that's seemingly that's that's probably why they did it but yeah that that's um that was one that like i it kind of like caught my attention when it happened and then i it's like I don't know, and in the rule book, like I said, uh, it took a little while to find it because it's not very clear. Uh, but I did eventually find the difference there. So that's that's why uh, that was not that they offset instead of mm-hmm. both being accepted. Well, and to be honest, I, so I guess it really wasn't a lack of ballage on my part because I thought it was called a dead ball foul, so I didn't even realize that it, they didn't consider it a dead ball, and that was more so why I was confused. So I was like, if that was a dead ball wouldn't it have been still them getting the first down yardage from their penalty? But okay. Um, obviously it didn't end up mattering anyway, because like, like you said, they want to give them the greatest advantage, the Rams, but then end up obviously it not even mattering because on the fourth down play, <laughs> Kenny Pickett short of the first down gets marked first down. Um, but okay. Back to Tomlin Tuesday. We kind of went off on a, on a personal foul tangent there. What else uh, did he talk about? The kind of that caught your ear. Um, there was a lot actually. Uh, so he was, uh, very complimentary of Dan Moore. Didn't really, um, you know, explain his decision. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, but, uh, it, you know, it was very complimentary. Dan Moore thought he played very well. Um, talked a lot about Patrick Peterson moving around and how, like he's said, he's mm-hmm. comparable to Cam Sutton. Um, like, in like that he can also do several things like sure but so is elijah riley like so was trey norwood cut by the 49ers today uh like yeah the ability to do multiple things <laughs> does not make you doing multiple things a good idea uh right you know versatility is great if you're actually good you know i, I remember oh god now this is a tangent though like when the pirates got like real into utility players, like in the like 13, 14, 15, 16 time yeah. frame, and like Sean Rodriguez 
was a great defender at like six positions. Now he didn't really hit and it wasn't like a very good player, but he made like himself valuable because of his versatility because he was really good on defense, no matter where they put him. There's lots of other guys. Like Adam Frazier was technically versatile, but he stuck on defense no matter where you put him. But it wasn't, it wasn't good at any of them until they finally stuck him at second base and let him stay there and, and sort of develop. And so like, being able to be in multiple spots is only a good thing if you're good in those multiple spots. And so far, look, maybe safety is the answer for Patrick Peterson. I think that's a real theory. The, like, I, I, we've seen, you know, Rod Woodson did it towards the end of his career. You know, we, we've seen there, – there's been other examples, too, of older corners making that transition late, late in the game to try to hang on for a couple more years. I'm just not sure that the Steelers need him to be a safety right now. They need a corner. Like if yeah. they, you know, Nick, remember Nick said, oh, they could add a safety. They could add a safety, number 20, but they need to add a corner first. Like that would be a great, like adding a corner and then moving Patrick Peterson to safety, I think would be a wonderful uh, pair of additions for this team. Uh, they're thin though, man. Like, and and we talked about Joey in, in the past, but, you know, they really just do not have a player that is capable of doing it all right now, let alone two. And they're trying to mix and match these pieces. It's been a struggle. Uh, but yeah, man, the comparison to Cam Sutton is uh, quite skin <laughs> deep there. I, I uh, Yeah, I was going to ask what you thought of Patrick's game on Sunday. I mean, they used him in, like, like we're saying, in a lot of different ways. Corner, safety, like inside and outside corner. Uh, half field free safety, like they moved him all around within the 67 snaps that he played. I, what did you think of his game overall? I thought the zone coverage was generally very good. I thought the man coverage was, yeah, okay, like to to not okay. You know, like sometimes mm-hmm. it was good enough, and a lot of times it wasn't. Tackling not good enough either. The whole unit doesn't tackle well enough. I think that's been a very consistent problem. And you know, I'm not as familiar with Patrick Peterson's tackling but levi wallace was a very sturdy tackler last year for the steelers i don't understand you know what's happened there and with joey it just seems like it's a you know it's it's a matter of learning some technique and growing into that role but man um it's a struggle right now i well that's i'm not very familiar in terms of like the entire body of work in minnesota but at least within like arizona i always thought patch pearson was one of the better at least more willing tacklers at the corner position which is why like i was like oh this is so good to get him you know joey porter in here and learn from him and levi who have both been able to do it's just it's insane to me that it's just completely disappeared from the unit this year yeah it's been very weird it's been very weird um a couple other things that tomlin touched on i'm trying to uh to remember back here um he talked a good bit about the uh puka nakua challenge that i had a oh, long yeah. discussion mm-hmm. on x about um where he basically said look I-, I saw it live i thought it was really close they were going fast i wasn't getting any information i just had to make a decision about whether i wanted to challenge it or not and i thought it was close enough and a big enough play that it was worth it and i think that's a like, I, I know Mike Tomlin gets a lot of criticism for his use of challenges, but, like, I don't really have a problem with that. I don't know. What what are your thoughts there? Like, if you like if it's a 30-yard – wasn't that a third down, too? Like, if it's a 30-yard completion on third down to put them in field goal range, and you know it's, at worst, really close, 
and you don't knock in anything, and they're they're going fast, so they think it's close. I don't have a problem with just throwing the flag, even if you're not sure. What what are your thoughts there? I felt the exact same way, and it was that was the wasn't that the drive that was extended because of TJ being offsides? Yes, yes. So like I was like I I, I felt like that was kind of hey I'll I'll bring in Tomlin's quote here. I thought that football justice would be served on this challenge with the drive coming to an end on that play instead of when it should have with TJ being offsides. I, but yeah, I didn't have an issue with the challenge. If it's close enough like that in the heat of the moment, everybody's going to be able to, you know, with the benefit of replay and hindsight being 2020 say that it was a bad challenge. I really didn't feel so like you got to realize well, I, I'll tell you what, with the benefit of replay and hindsight, I still don't think it was a yeah. bad challenge. I think they got screwed. No, I, know. I think it was a bad call, even on replay. Um, and this is a way in the weeds NFL ruling, but if you're like a dedicated NFL watcher, you'll remember this play coming back. It happened to Antonio Brown once. It happened to T. Higgins last year. There was a sort of notorious I was going to say just even last year with T. Higgins. Yeah. It was a notorious example with Des Bryant where he was like nearly horizontal, you know, like reaching out to catch a ball. And it was actually like mm -hmm. the side of his shoe that touched out of bounds. But if you toe tap, for it to be a toe tap, only the toes can touch the ground. Like if you touch both toes and then you go out of bounds, that's a toe tie, that's in. If you touch both toes and you drag them out of bounds, that's in. If more of your foot touches than the toes, then all of the foot that touches has to land in bounds. And it didn't. His toe lands and then the heel follows the toe. It's not a toe tap. Uh, Dean Blandino said, oh, it's a toe tap. It's, it's very clearly... There's a there's an approved ruling in the rule book that is literally called heel toe toe heel like it's it, it is exactly for that scenario, and the really weird thing is that there were two of those Jake Bobo made a catch in Seattle that maybe is even worse than than Nakua's, and they both got called good yesterday uh, on Sunday. I don't know if they changed something. If the replay guy working for the NFL that day was screwing it up, I, I, I don't know. But that like that has been very consistent. And, and the thing is, like, everyone on, on, on X was like, oh, that's a catch, obviously. Look, and then I explained the rule, and they're like, well, that rule's dumb. I'm like, yes, everybody has hated that <laughs> rule every time it's ever been called. Like, people were livid that that T. Higgins catch was not a touchdown last year. Mm -hmm. And – but it was, but like it's a very, maybe not very well known, but a moderately well known rule. Like it's not super obscure that like people know that that's the way that's supposed to be called, and they just totally got it wrong. I unless they've made some kind of big change to the way that's interpreted, uh, that they have not announced. It's it's very strange. I think that's the frustration. Is it just hasn't been called consistently you know when you look at last year with t higgins with pukanaku and jake bobo but you've seen you know like you've seen ones go both ways so I, I i don't know i think that's probably where the frustration comes from but was that all that he talked about with with naku was the challenge or you know obviously they were able to limit cooper cup but pukanaku had got his and probably had some some praise in terms of pukanaku's performance didn't talk that much about it um maybe in his open a little bit i, I don't recall um, he certainly wasn't asked about it. Um, and then, you know, we we talked mostly about the yeah, it was, it was a strange press conference. We we talked about a lot of things that I honestly did not 
cares. Did anybody about. bring up? Um, we talked yesterday how we were kind of thrown off with the tight end utilization the Steelers ended up having. No one asked about that. Yeah, no. We asked a okay. bad question about it, and then I tried to ask a better question, and I got a one more answer. Uh, <laughs> missed opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, we screwed that one up. Uh, no, basically, I, I didn't get an answer about the tight end utilization. Um, you know, wanted to. I asked pretty directly about, and he just said, "Yeah, well, Pat's out." Well, I know Pat's out, but um, Pat was out last week too, and it looked very different uh last week um then this week okay um oh we actually i want to get to this after but um there was a question i definitely wanted to ask you uh trevor lawrence i know you put that on here in terms of notes uh did tomlin touch on trevor lawrence at all yeah i asked him about trevor lawrence and his you know, I was trying to get a, and I'm still probably going to write the story, but you know, we've talked on this podcast about how I feel like Trevor Lawrence is like, maybe not like one-to-one, but a really like near best case scenario for looking at the struggles to start the career for Kenny Pickett and what it could turn out to look like. Because Trevor Lawrence two seasons ago was horrendous. I mean, just uh, uh, unplayably bad. And now he is, I don't know, a top 10 quarterback. Maybe, it, yeah. maybe you know, maybe just inside that. Um, Not necessarily the best in the league, but certainly very, very good. Um, he was seventh in uh, MVP voting last year. The Jaguars are five and two. Like, I, now, look, I, I covered these guys play against each other in college. Kenny Pickett is not Trevor Lawrence physically. Right. All right, let's let's just say that. But Trevor Lawrence's passer rating went from 71.9 as a rookie to 95.2 last year. Went from 33.5 QBR as a rookie to 56.1 last year. His completion percentage went from 59 to 66. His touchdown percentage went from 2 to 4.3. His interception percentage dropped from 2.8 to 1.4. In his second 17 games, he was better at everything than he was in his first 17 games. Does that feel like it should be? Like, I feel like this is the path, but also, like, the Jags had this drastic change in coaching that I'm not sure Kenny Pickett is going to get, right? So, like, how I guess the hard thing to separate is how much of – Trevor Lawrence getting better this year and last year has been about Trevor Lawrence and about maturing as an NFL player. And how much of it is like that first coaching staff he had was borderline incompetent. And now he's got a pretty good one and they're getting the best out of him. And does that mean that like, what's the lesson to be learned here to apply to Kenny Pickett? I think that's still very much an open question. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know how far you were going to go within that, but I was certainly going to bring up the fact that he had urban Meyer year one and then got Doug Peterson, who is somebody (laughs) that we have seen bring along quarterbacks in the past um, in the building, you know, and and say what you will about their offensive coordinator, press Taylor. I know that he's gotten a lot of scrutiny for how they started out the season, especially offensively, but they've, they've kind of started to write the ship here. I feel like, Um, but yeah, you know, in terms of the prospects, obviously like Trevor Lawrence was considered, you know, 
bust proof, you know, uh, generational talent coming in. Obviously, Kenny was not considered that type of player, but you do have to wonder how much would a, a coaching change benefit him? And could we see a, a similar leap under a new coaching staff? It's a very interesting question. We'll see. I mean, their their schedules aren't going to line up, right? Because Lawrence started from game one of his rookie year, so he had a 17-game rookie season. Pickett now mm-hmm. just at 18 starts uh, through a season and a half. So you know, it's not going to be one-to-one. We're not going to get that same kind of neat perspective. But, I mean, mm-hmm. I think we can all pretty much agree that if things don't get better for Kenny Pickett this year, that he's getting a new offensive coordinator, right? I mean, yeah. that just seems pretty much – you know, like it's happening now. So even, I mean, even, so I guess, even Mike McCoy's on that staff as well. I mean, does, got... does what happened with Lawrence and the coaching staff change or at all, like inform the way you feel if Kenny never gets better this year? Like, I think if the Steelers had a different coordinator, one that had had more success, or mm-hmm. if, if this example of that kind of change coming at the same time as that kind of change in results weren't out there, maybe I would feel differently about a, a, a full year of struggles from Kenny Pickett as a starting quarterback. But, like, I just don't feel like no matter what happens, you almost can't give up on him this year. You almost have to go into – like, no, almost no yeah. matter what happens, you almost have to go into 2024 with him as the quarterback because either he earned it or he didn't earn it and they're going to fire the coordinator and see what really was the problem, right? Yeah. I, I mean, you know, people have asked me, like, when is the earliest I feel like the Steelers would pull the plug on Kenny Pickett? And I said after the 2024, 2025 season, I just I cannot see it being maybe mid season 24. Like, sure. Yeah. But I mean, like, tr- you know, bringing yeah. in another franchise. Quarterback yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. But yeah, yeah then it's just going to be Mitch Trubisky. Right. Like, there's not, yeah. you know, right. there's, there's not going to be another option then. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I just think that that like. It's it's really um, it, it's a big downside to the way they did business here, where you know there's nobody else other than Canada, so they stuck with him, and there's no quarterback guru. There's no there's not even a guy who played quarterback on the staff, um, you know, and, and so it's hard to see that like you. It just feels like if things don't go well, like. You, you know, um, and I'm I'm forgetting who this quote is attributed to, but I love it. It's I I I never lose. I either win or I learn, and like mm-hmm. that that like I feel like the Steelers are screwing that up, right? Like they're they're either gonna win or they're still not gonna know. <laughs> like that's like that's 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 very difficult. Yeah. Um, I, I, if I look that up, it comes up Nelson Mandela. So ah, you know, there great, we go. great, great quote to pull there. Um, but yeah, uh, I want to ask you, actually, this is from one of our very, uh, loyal listeners, viewers. I don't know if they watch on YouTube or listen, but Joe Aber, who's always tweeting, uh, tweeting at us actually was at this game. Um, this Rams game on Sunday. So <clears throat> he tweeted at us and said uh, he noticed something. He saw Highsmith and Watts switch sides a few mm. times, depending on matchups. Thinks that think that was game specific, or what was the deal with that? So I asked both TJ Watt and Mike Tomlin about this after the game. So we're on the same wavelength here. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's only Tuesday, 
I'm just saying that's a very good call. If I ask two questions about a post game and you're sending us tweets about like, hey, I noticed this. I'm saying you got a good shot. You got a good shot. Um, and basically what it was is that the Rams were using um, their tight end to double team TJ Watt. And the Steelers were trying to get him some one-on-ones and mm. also trying to Stafford is pretty good at feeling the rush and like he doesn't like break his look down the field. He just kind of does like a little like shimmy shimmy hop 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 to like get out of the way and changing where TJ is sort of changes his footwork and his mechanics on his little shuffling in the pocket, right? Because now it's just a little bit different look, um, you know, a different guy in a different place. And I think that's all they were trying for. It didn't seem to work. Like they didn't, I mean, they, they did not, did, did they get one sack and it was a defensive lineman, right? Odin Joby for sure had one. Yeah. I don't recall being, there being another one. Yeah. I think that's the only one. Um, so, I mean, it's not like it got them. Uh, oh no, they had two. Uh, oh, Nick Herbig. Uh, Nick Herbig. Oh man. Wins yeah. With the ghost move. That was the Wisconsin crew right there. If Loudermilk was on the field, it would have been entirely Wisconsin. We asked Loudermilk about that, and he said, <laughs> I think we would be a very good unit if you got all the the Bucky Badgers out there together. Um, Watt, Herbig, Loudermilk, Benton. I mean, does anybody else have like an entire position group from one college? Like that, that can't have, like that, that doesn't happen. I right. guess some the Eagles have two, three Alabama skill position players, so they got a couple. Yeah, I mean, and if Georgia or Georgia, if the Eagles keep adding Georgia players the way they are, I mean, they're going to have. That's no true. The Eagles have a and... whole bunch of Georgia players. Yes, that yeah. is true. <clears throat> Their defense has about what? Kobe Dean, Jalen Carter, uh, Nolan Smith. Mark- yeah, yeah, yeah. They got a couple more too, I think. Um, um, they the corner Keely Ringo. Yeah, ended up there. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> oh yeah, big Eagles trade. Terrell Edmonds on the move and onto the Steelers' schedule. Gonna play this. Yeah. He, he goes for Kevin Byard and two uh, Edmonds and two draft picks. So now he's on the Steelers' schedule. I mean, what a what two a weeks. like for him, man. That's. For, terrible to go from the Eagles to the Titans, who are clearly like you can tell they're selling off pieces because you were part of a trade yeah. of them selling off pieces. Like I, that's just terrible for him. And this comes right after the video, the viral video of him having so much fun at a Phillies game. Yes, to a city that doesn't even have a baseball team. Like I mean, Triple A, but like you know, uh, man, they're he's, being robbed of. He's Terrell getting Evans he's getting his that. heart ripped out as a fan. Uh, before his playing days are even over, which is quite impressive. Uh, yeah. So, you know, maybe he'll, like, start dating a big country star, you know, and, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that could be – it's a, it's the in thing to do in the NFL right now, so. Mm-hmm. I don't know who it could be, but I'm all for it. Let's see what happens for him. Um, I, Actually, I want to ask you, do you think that there's a chance, though, that he ends up getting flipped? Or do you think he spends the rest? You don't see that too often, right? But you don't. But like, what do they want with him? Right. Like, if they could get something for him, I think they would take it. And the Steelers, would you trade a sixth or seventh round pick for Trellemans right now? 
Yes, 100%, because I think, you know, going back to the conversations about Menka, does that allow him to, you know, maybe change up his role a little bit and get back to getting the best version of Menka? Yeah, and like, is Terrell Edmonds better than Elijah Riley? Yes. Can you afford the, whatever, $1.3 million salary difference? Almost definitely. Actually, it's not even that much because his signing bonus stayed in Philly. It's probably only like 250000 Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems... I would do that. I don't know. Well, I'm not sure exactly how that went down. Remember both sides. Uh, I, I was, I actually did remember this, but I, I just wrote it. So now I, I remember, but both Terrell and Omar said like, we, Oh, I want to stay. I want to get a deal done. He was like, yeah, we want him. We want to get a deal done. And then he was an Eagle. Uh, so I don't know. Something's something didn't go right there. You never know how a breakup goes. I almost, right? you know, this is just my, Best get. This isn't anything that I've heard from anybody, but I almost started to wonder if, you know, with Terrell Austin, with the way that they were shifting things and looking at the players that they had brought in, who they prioritized bringing KZ back as opposed to Edmonds, bringing Patch Peterson, if they really prioritized all their defensive backs having ball skills. And that's why Terrell Edmonds was on the outside looking in. Yeah, I think I agree with that. So I, I thought maybe that's what it came to. Again, that's not like something that's obviously been said or anything like that. I just... A, you know, putting two and two together and how things shuck out kind of made me go that way. But, yeah. um, Alan, I think that will do it for this episode. Tell the people where they can find you at a Saunders underscore PGH on Twitter at PGH Steelers now is a site's account, steelersnow.com. That's where the words live. Read them so I can get paid. Steelers now plus 10% off or thereabouts. Uh, promo code Alan 10. Use that. Uh, get a sweet deal. Read all the best stuff from me, Derek Bell. And Nick Fairball, like and subscribe to the YouTube channel so we can have another party. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. It's all about the parties here. Um, Alan 10. Like, 1. 10. 1. I was just about to I was just about to look at an updated counter here. 10.1k. There we go. Let's keep it coming. Like, subscribe, hit that notification bell. Uh, so you don't miss a single video. Tell a friend to tell a friend to come subscribe to 10,123 to be exact. That looks cool with a one, two, three in succession. 10, right oh, 10. 1, 2, 3. Yeah um i'm zachary smith pgh for alan saunders and myself thank you for tuning in to another steelers afternoon drive and we will see you guys tomorrow step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chompacasino.com Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Bye bye. 